Welcome to the Daughters Project podcast. We're so glad you're here. Join us this season as the sisters gather around the mics to share their experiences of God's love through the lens of His sacred word. You can find out more about our work at thedaughtersproject.com and on social media at Daughter St. Paul. Enjoy today's episode. Hello, and welcome to the Daughters Project podcast. My name is Sister Oriane Pietra Renee. I'm Sister Julie Marie Benedicta. And today we are joined by a very special guest, Sister Carly Paula. <laughs> welcome, Sister Carly Paula. I'm grateful to be with you all. Yeah. So we had you on for a very particular reason, other than the fact that you're awesome. <laughs> and that is because your perpetual profession is coming up really soon. Yeah. I'm really counting down the days to that. It's getting quite close. It's yeah. only a few weeks. Yeah. Well, to well, less than that this, when this drops. This episode's going to drop on the 6th. So mm-hmm. we're 10 days away. We're like a novena away from your right from your perpetual profession. Yeah. So can you take a second, Sister Carly Paula, to just introduce yourself and maybe tell us a little bit about this step that you're approaching? Sure. So I entered with the Daughters of St. Paul right after university and went through my years of formation and my junior, um, my years of junior profession. So renewing my vows each year for about five years. And um, after that time, we spend a time a year almost in preparation for final vows. So I'm just coming off of that, mm-hmm. that time away um, with the Lord of studying our charism more intensely um, and also revisiting our constitutions, which is like how we live out our, our charism and spirituality in a particular way. Um, and so now I'm in this you know, a few weeks of final preparation. So getting all the details of the liturgy together and the music um, and choosing those with my sisters and with our with my pastor. So it looks like I will be making perpetual profession in my home parish where Yay. I was baptized. Where is that? Uh, at St. Paul the Apostle Catholic Church in Lighthouse Point. So um, Florida. Yeah, in Florida. And I get is, to come. <laughs> and Benedict gets to be there. So... Um, yeah. What else do you want to know? <laughs> well, I guess, like, what was your favorite thing to do growing up? How did you find the Daughters of St. Paul? Maybe what's one cool thing in the apostolate you've done? Ooh. So <laughs> that's, a, that's a loaded question. <laughs> I met the sisters um, in right at the end of high school. Um, they came to my youth group. We were having a Eucharistic hour of adoration. And the sisters, which if you know the Daughters of St. Paul, we're flying in and out, traveling everywhere. And one of the sisters, Sister Sophie, decided to fly into Fort Lauderdale (laughs) instead of Miami. I don't know. And the sisters went to go pick her up at the Fort Lauderdale airport and found out that we were holding a Eucharistic Hour of Adoration based off of what the sisters were doing down in Miami. So there was praise and worship and like coffee. It was called Coffee Because they had those coffee house things. Right. Yeah, yeah. So that became so popular that my parents... She's like, we should do that too. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I was, you know, Starbucks was just a thing. So I was just getting used to coffee. So I was like, I don't know. It's not like like a frappe, like with chocolate and caramel. Like I was just like getting into my coffee addiction. Um, And also it was for young adults. So I was in high school Mm -hmm. and my youth minister was like, hey, can you come help brew the coffee? And Mm -hmm. I was like, sure. (laughs) So I came after school and I started help to help set up and um, we set up the um, parish hall for Eucharistic Adoration to have space for everyone. And I remember walking in and there was these two nuns standing there and I was like, 
uh-oh, Jesus. <laughs> no, seriously, I turned around and walked out. Like, because just Relatable. the summer, right, oh just the gosh. summer before, the Lord had really placed that on my heart to mm-hmm. think about religious life. But mm-hmm. um, it was a it was a youth uh, retreat, and I went because a guy I, I liked went and invited me to go. So it was purely based of, like, relationship with this guy. Again, relatable. Again, relatable, right? <laughs> and Jesus had other other plans for me. And it was really one of my, the first times that I encountered him in the Blessed Sacrament in a Mm -hmm. profound way. Like we go to mass and we see that moment where the priest um, holds up the Eucharist. But this was the first time that I remember being at Eucharistic Adoration. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was just, it was right after confession, which be, going to Catholic school was kind of a big deal because for the first time, because it was retreat, I did not have to go to confession. It was an option. Like going yeah. up to, going to Catholic school, they're like, line you up and you <laughs> better <go."> line. <laughs> <laughs> but so that was my first genuine um, confession. And of course, with high school, there were so many things to to look at, like where 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 was my life being centered and what um like what I wanted with my life. And I remember coming away from that just with this deep sense of gratitude um, for where the Lord had placed me um, just within my family and my community. And it was just like all of a sudden this grace of gratitude Um, and bringing that before the Lord in Eucharistic adoration for the first time. um, My heart just wanted to give everything to him. And it's those moments that when his response was sensing that desire from him to receive that and to respond to that, that's for me when the seeds of uh, a religious vocation were really planted. Wow. So fast forward to that coffee house again. So I ran out because I was like, no, Jesus, you can't connect that dot quite yet. I'm not graduated high school and I'm not ready for this. Um, but I actually hid in the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like it's talking like so to real life. I love it. <laughs> and so I'm like talking to Jesus. I'm like, are you serious, dude? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I finally got the courage to go out and at least meet them and talk to them. Um, and that's when I discovered our charism was communicating Christ through the media. And at the time, I was writing for the high school newspaper. So mm-hmm. this idea of using the media to proclaim Christ was already kind of simmering. I was like, what What do we write articles about in high school? You like interview kids. And I wanted to write about that retreat. I just like had a, a real experience of God mm-hmm. on because yeah. I was kind of, I wasn't, I was like agnostic maybe before that. Like mm-hmm. God was real, but, and I went to mass on Sunday because my family went to breakfast afterwards and that <laughs> yeah. was really great. <laughs> yeah. So after meeting the sisters, I don't know, it 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 was this grace of like, I want to know more. Mm-hmm. Like, I almost wanted to just get in the car with them at mm-hmm. that moment and just be like, I don't know, but here I am. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine Sister Sophie being like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> so they ended up leaving early, okay. which like pulled my heart because I was like, Jesus, I want to talk to you in like adoration, but I'm not part of the adoration because I'm in high school. But so... I just gave it to the Lord and I said, if this is your will, like this is yours to to prepare. Like I do not have to chase after it. 
And one of the sisters came up to me before leaving to say goodbye. I'm like, you're leaving? You can't leave. <laughs> and she said to me, uh, it was Sister Tracy. She said, I think we're going to meet again. And that was it. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, so I ended up not seeing them again for another year or two. So I graduated high school um, and started university at the University of Central Florida and continued my journey of wanting to study broadcast communications. And um, yeah, I at one point I started reaching out and emailing different communities just to do a common see to kind of put it for rest once and for all. <laughs> um, and one of the sisters in Miami wrote and and told me about a come and see. So that's when I really started more actively discerning in university and starting making visits down to the sisters. Um, yeah. So that's like my vocation story. Awesome. That's amazing. Can you talk a little bit about like, I know it's like still coming up, but I'm, I'm interested to hear a little bit about your perspective because we'll also be asking um, Sister Bethany to record an episode with us after her perpetual profession, mm-hmm. which is the week, the same week as yours. So I'm wondering, like, could you talk a little bit about what it means to be looking forward to perpetual profession in this way? Yeah, I absolutely. It's if you have to take a second, that's totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, these last few days. And coming home, actually, it's been a gift to come home because I've been away in a different culture, mm-hmm. speaking a different language. In Italy. Mm-hmm. In Italy, yep, uh, for about nine months. So just the gift to be among sisters that I know really well that speak the same language, <laughs> um, to be able to start to share little stories of things that have happened and receive from them, like they're they're. A, Many sisters have shared a little little glimpses of their story in preparation for perpetual profession. And that gift of communion and community has really um, blessed this time um, in preparation. And for me personally, it's also making sure that I take that extra time of prayer. So there's been a grace to, to get up a little bit earlier just to have that quiet space mm-hmm. um, with the Lord in the morning. So that that's been, but then on top of that, you have like a bajillion details to kind of um, <laughs> cover and make sure everyone's on the same page. And mm-hmm. for for my perpetual profession, the sisters will be flying uh, down to Florida, so making sure everyone's got their tickets and what time they're coming in, and preparing, making sure on the other end, my parents are prepared to, you know, where everyone's going to sleep. And <laughs> so, but that. That's just all part of it. Like that is ministry and that is mission Um, to be to see my family excited about hospitality and hosting the sisters, Um, to see my parish um, jump in and help with different things. Um, That's all like praying about doing it at home was like the Lord was very clear that it was going to do good for that community Mm -hmm. to be able to receive graces from perpetual profession, but there's like this whole act of doing all the preparations and going mm-hmm. through that, both for my family and the parish community and inviting people and people that maybe we've lost contact with or haven't been to mass in a long time. And that, like Jesus was very clear, that's what he wanted mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in preparation for 
in in the act of my perpetual profession. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we have the option too to do it here, mm-hmm. which is here also Boston, very beautiful yeah. mm-hmm. because the sisters get to prepare every single detail. But there's something about surrendering some of those details that we have control over here. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, and um, allowing the commu- <laughs> like allowing that to just happen um, in in my home parish setting. Yeah. yeah, that's beautiful because it's almost like wedding, like wedding planning, you know, when the whole family is able to come together and it comes with its own stresses for sure. Right. Like we all know that from either our own lives or from movies, <laughs> like either way. But like the beauty of that, the communion that it brings is really beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it's forever. Yeah, it's forever. Yeah. So that kind of brings me to what scripture has been on my heart. Mm-hmm. And that has been remain in me as I remain in you. And yeah. can you give us the citation for that? Sister? Yeah, it's John 15. Yeah, you should read the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> and truly, even even I think he says it in verse four, but I think he says it like four or five times. Right. Yes, he yeah. does. He mm-hmm. does. And for me, it, it captures that whole chapter. For me, that's just like the seed mm-hmm. or like the light that um, is cast on that whole whole passage. And and in some translations, I think it's the RSV uh, the translation is abide. Mm-hmm. And and that also echoes like this this idea of residing or living or dwelling um, in him. And he and then there you go. There's St. Paul um, who was able to say it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. This real knowing that Christ desires to make his home in us and he desires us to make our home in him mm-hmm. um, that I've just been clinging to these last few months. Mm-hmm. And um, in preparation for final vows, we also make an eight-day retreat with our Pauline spirituality. It's called our Donek Formator Retreat, and it's a retreat that our founder wrote. And in that... And um, the title comes from the phrase of St. Paul, that Christ may be formed in me. Correct, mm-hmm. that Christ yeah. may be formed in me. And so there's this whole movement first with the with sitting in the, the love of the Father and for me, sitting with that, um, at the same time, this is real life, they decided to trim all the bushes at, <laughs> at our Casa Generalizia. And so... So start, much peace. So much work. <laughs> and, um, and that, like, I prayed with that throughout my whole retreat. <laughs> Seriously, truly. And I, I love going outdoors. I love gardening. I love, I've been learning a lot about it since the pandemic because we just need those grounding things to mm-hmm. keep us going. And my family's also in construction. So being around diesel and gas and grease, it's like there is a sense of like, okay, this is real life. This is homey. <laughs> but, and so I, I tried to pray with it. But he was out there every morning before it got hot. And we, I don't know, our Casa Adrenalizia, our, our general house in Rome, is on a hill. And so there's like tons of bushes. This isn't just like one bush. This is like this isn't like of... a small hedge around the no, beach. Yeah. No, no, this this was like the whole rest of the retreat. Every <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so I started praying. I allowed Jesus to just show me in that sound that he was taking away every branch in me that was not bearing fruit. Mm. And I know each of us have been through a journey through the craziness of pandemic and how life has changed since that, and even within convent life. And and I was like, Jesus, more pruning. (laughs) 
Really? Seriously? I thought we were at the end of pruning. <laughs> There's no, not much no. left. <laughs> truly, yeah. truly. Yeah. But there was this image of, um, of remain in me as I remain in you. That one place where Christ alone is the, is the one, is the vine. And is you are grafted onto him. Mm-hmm. And so every other branch really can be pruned back mm-hmm. in our lives. And so allowing Jesus to kind of feed me there quite literally, that he is the one alone that is my source of life and strength and consolation and love. And so much like allowing him to buzz away <laughs> at everything else. And in the past, uh, one image, we have the the devotion to Jesus Master. And sometimes I like to add like Jesus Master Carpenter, Jesus Master Gardener. Mm. And so when a Master Gardener knows what he's about, there's no stopping him. Like mm-hmm. he can see it. <laughs> he knows what needs to be trimmed mm-hmm. back because he wants the maximum fruit mm-hmm. for, for that person, that life, that soul. Um, and so instead of it being such a, an abrasive sound, it, it was the sound of Jesus's desire to take away everything in me that wasn't totally um, grounded and rooted in him. And so praying with remain in me as I remain in you um, and continuing to for the rest of my life <laughs> um, is is very, very profound for me. And it's also very Pauline. Um, uh, our founder uses the image several times um, of grafting. Mm-hmm. And if you're not familiar with grafting, it's it's used in gardening. And he uses the image of an olive tree. And so with an olive tree, you can actually take a wild olive tree and take a branch of an olive tree that is, like, good. And you cut a slice or a, a slip or a whatever into the wild olive mm-hmm. tree and you place in there like in the graft I had to read all about it several times like, <laughs> it's fascinating but you you stick the branch inside the tree and then the tree itself takes on the characteristics of the better the better branch the better mm-hmm. tree but this year I learned which I don't know why I didn't read before that in order for that grafting to really take place, you have to constantly prune back that wild olive tree mm. in order for it to really focus its energies on that branch and not kind of grow mm. back and be like, no, nah, no, nah, I don't care. Yeah. I'm still my own thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so that that image, too, um, has been really strong for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so cool. I. This is like tangentially related, but so um, before I entered, my thing every year for Mother's Day, would I was I would always get my mom something for her garden, something she loves to garden, she loves the outdoors, and so I would always get like, I don't know, a really interesting looking kind of um, different fuchsia or like a just I would find something interesting that would grow in our area, and she would like make it flourish, and it was just so fun. It was fun for both of us. She loved it. I loved it. And one year I was at a nursery and I found um, a tree that was a dwarf pear tree, but it was grafted with six different varieties of prayer, of, pe- of pears. So first of all, that was just like cool. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> second, she had a number of fruit trees and um, berries and she had a vegetable garden and stuff. So it it fit with, you know, her her stuff. And so I, I thought that was so cool. So I brought her home this, this pear tree and... What was so neat was the following spring, 
when it bloomed, it bloomed at different times in different colors. And then the fruit came on at different times in different colors. And like some of the fruit was really more of like a pie fruit. And some of the fruit was really more like you just pluck it and have it for breakfast, you know, right there outside. That's awesome. And it was it was so neat to me because it was such a like um, it was all one tree. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you really couldn't see the seams. But it was such a beautiful image of like the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And there was not one variety on it that wasn't delicious. You know, they were all fantastic. They were all different. They came on at different times, which meant that we had pears for a longer period of the year than we would have if we just had, mm-hmm. you know, one variety. And I don't know. It was just this, like such a neat image of the body of Christ to me, like thinking about how he grafts us onto himself and doesn't do away with our uniquenesses either, mm-hmm. you know, like – Maybe there's some taming like you're talking about that goes on or maybe there's some um, – I don't know if the, those varieties would bloom at exactly the time they did for us if they were just on their own tree. Like there's probably some tweaks or some some ways that they were kind of like changed by the process, but they still remained unique and different. And I just thought that was so cool. Yeah. No, it's like he prunes because he wants that. Yeah. Like he wants yeah. those unique he loves fruits because he knows what you can pr- – like he mm-hmm. he knows. He knows mm-hmm. what you're created for to produce. And it delights for him. others. Like yeah. it brings mm-hmm. him joy. Yeah. I love that too because in gardens especially now there's such a big push for us to be conscious of planting flowers that will bloom at different times of the year so mm-hmm. that the pollinators mm-hmm. can survive at different times of the year. And that is such a beautiful example of like this all-encompassing one tree with all the graftings. Like it in itself can support pollinators basically all year round. Yeah, all and summer at least. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. And that's a beautiful example of how, you know, in in how we are all called to express the Lord and relate to one another, we really do together with our with our gifts together feed the whole world like we can't all reach every single person and be relatable to every single person but together like one by one we really can extend Christ to every single person which is what Paul it was so big for Paul and that's only possible if we are grafted into him mm-hmm. 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 and story uh-oh <laughs> the eyebrows are going yeah <laughs> In Novitiate, we we learn about all the different Pauline Pauline locations and Pauline uh, churches that were built. And in the Temple of St. Paul, which is in Alba, there is an image of Paul's heart grafted, in a sense, onto Christ's heart. And it's my favorite image. Once I saw it, I like cried. And it was a stupid, or sorry, it was like a really silly <laughs> photocopied three times, like not a real picture of this thing <laughs> in Novitiate. Um, but on this trip to Italy, I was able to see this piece of art in person. And can you describe it a little bit more? Yeah, I can. It is, um, so it's Paul's heart on the left. And it's like a, it's a gate. So it's in metal. It mm-hmm. used to be a communion gate Mm -hmm. Um, but now it's placed like as under the altar as like part of the part part of the altar which is very beautiful and on Paul's heart he's his heart is like in the flame of charity and then there is a vine coming out of his heart and then kind of looping around across the gate to uh, Christ's heart and it's just um, it's it's called to be an image or a visual of St. John Chrysostom's quote, Cor Pauli, Cor Christi, the heart of Paul is the heart of Christ. And 
for me, when I saw that, I was like, wow, it's all connected. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, finally being able to see it in person, um, it was a grace, the Blessed Sacrament was exposed that day. So mm-hmm. it was like, Jesus was like right there mm-hmm. um, on the altar, exposed. And um, yeah, there there's something about how Paul totally abiding in Christ and receiving everything from him that he was able to um, have his heart totally conformed to Christ's heart. And I don't think we'll ever mind the depth of what that means. Yeah. I mean, Mary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. Mean, yeah. I got Mary and then, and then Paul, who was able to do that also or receive that also, that gift from, from Christ. Okay. Can I geek out a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah, geek out. Okay. So... I looked up the original quote from John Chrysostom, and he's reflecting on Romans 16.24, which, first of all, isn't going to exist in most of your Bibles because many of the scholars have said that it's like a redundancy of what Paul says like several verses before, Mm. which is just, may the grace of God be with you always. Wow. Punto. (laughs) (laughs) Super, super simple. But John Chrysostom goes off, and it's like, He's commenting on each verse, and it's like maybe a paragraph. But then he sees this verse, which we don't even have in a lot of our Bibles anymore. Mystery verse. And he, like, goes into rapture over this thing. It's like this huge, long passage. And he starts talking about how, like, first he says, like, who is there to pray for us? Like, Paul prayed for us. And he's Mm. like, well, the imitators of Paul, which I was like, Sweet, because that's kind of like one of the things that we say we are, right? Like we're we're called to be imitators of Paul. And um, but then he just like continues to go on about about what Paul, what Christ's heart was and what Paul's heart was. So first he goes on talking about he's he's praising Rome because Peter and Paul are there. And Mm -hmm. so like to be in Rome on the day of the resurrection would be like to be facing Peter and Paul. This is how he's imagining things, right? And he's like, I would love to go to the tomb of Paul and to see the mouth that spoke these words. Mm. And But then he starts getting into the praise of Paul's heart, like his actual physical heart that's there Mm. in the tomb in Rome. Well, outside the walls. Yeah. Well, but, you know, but as far as he's concerned, it's in Rome. And and he says, uh, this heart was so large as to take in entire cities and peoples and nations. For my heart, he says, is enlarged. For he says, out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote to you. So like each one of these lines is pulling from like four different quotes from St. Paul, right? Yeah. <laughs> this is how in love with Paul Chrysostom was. And it makes me love Chrysostom. So. Yeah. <laughs> but he's like, I was desirous to see that heart even after its dissolution, which burned at each one was lot, which was lost, which saw God. For the pure in heart, he says, shall see God, which became a sacrifice. For sacrifice to God is a contrite heart, which was loftier than the heavens, which was wider than the world, which was brighter than the sun's beam, which was warmer than fire, which was stronger than adamant, which sent forth rivers. For rivers, it says, of living water shall flow from him, wherein was a fountain springing up and watering not the face of the earth, but souls of men. He gets like, you go, John, you just go, like, (laughs) mine that heart. (laughs) But the souls of men, whence not rivers only, but even fountains of tears issued day and night, which lived the new life, not this of ours. For I live, he says, not yet I, but Christ lives in me. So Paul's heart was his heart and a tablet of the Holy Spirit and a book of grace, which trembled for the sins of others. I just just got chills. And that's like, 
a tenth of the whole meditation that he writes <laughs> yeah, on this no, verse. I mean, it's yeah. really fantastic. But I just, I just, as I was reading that yesterday, I was just like, I have to share this because mm. it's so dramatic, mm-hmm. but it's so true. Right. And it's also like that's who we're called to be imitating. Christ, you know, Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Right, and that's what he's getting at. He's not getting at like, hey, I'm so perfect, yeah. just like Jesus. Therefore, you should imitate me. Exactly. He's getting at that like, look what Christ has changed my heart to be. Exactly. Yeah. And so Chrysostom's able to see how Paul's heart so beautifully imitated the sacred heart of Jesus. And you have this illustration, this beautiful illustration of this gate that mm-hmm. that ties them together in that way. And that that is the mission that we are called to. Like, first and foremost, foremost it's our sanctity that allows Amen. us to even mission to the people that we're called to. Mm-hmm. And so first and foremost, it's the formation of our own hearts. And yeah. I just oh, I just love that right. so much. Yeah, conforming our hearts to Christ, who draws us to himself. Like, we could never do that or Mm -hmm. ask that. Mm -hmm. It's no work on our part. It's a surrender on our part. Mm -hmm. And it can only happen because of this mutual abiding, him abiding in me and me abiding in him. Yeah. One of my favorite memes, this is taking the conversation intelligence down a notch, but I just need to say it. One of my favorite favorite (laughs) memes is currently existing on Sister Benedict's desktop. And it has that quote, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And it's the picture of the real (laughs) Spider-Man, which is labeled as Christ. And then there's the Spider-Man with like the blue eyes, which is like the old Miles Morales before he got his real real costume. (laughs) Exactly. And it's labeled Paul. (laughs) And there's this little guy who's wearing this like sock puppet version (laughs) of a Spider-Man costume. It's like me. (laughs) But it's so it's hilarious because it really does, I think, in a sense that shows us where our mind can play into things. But what I love about that image that's carved into metal or brass or whatever it is um, in the in the church in Alba, Italy, is that it really does kind of break open what we're actually talking about in that is that, you know, Christ's heart really does allow us to be grafted into it. And Paul's heart was grafted into Christ. Like the two hearts in that image are connected by that vine. And that's, we are called to even like project our own heart into that image. Like is our heart also on a vine going to Christ? Is our heart connected to Paul's, like to understand the mystery of that calling of being grafted into Christ? Um, And Paul is such a great example for us when we're really struggling. Sometimes like Mary obviously is the ultimate example, but sometimes we can struggle to understand, well, I wasn't immaculately conceived. Like, what about me? (laughs) And Paul wasn't either. So he's like a really good example if we're struggling to understand that aspect of it through Mary. Paul can help us understand even our Marian call, which is really beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, when I when I doodle that image, I often draw the vine in the shape of an M, which mm. shows that Marian aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, but because even in the actual gate, it is kind of like a curly Q, and it almost looks <laughs> like a Marian M. So whenever I see it, it's like, and Mary is the one that like is the like in a sense like is the one that that makes that facilitates that growth of the vine mm-hmm. between the two between my heart and Christ's heart. And that's her mission, to be a mediatrix um, of grace Mm -hmm. um, between um, my heart and Christ, if I can only be receptive to that Mm -hmm. with a Marian receptivity. Um, Benedicta, while you were sharing, I was struck by realizing um, I had the grace uh, to visit St. Paul outside the walls 
And we were outside the Basilica for quite a while. We were actually waiting for the priest to come uh, to give us a tour, but we Mm -hmm. were waiting for like an hour. And so from my heart, like I'm standing literally like, like, oh my gosh, I was like so close to Paul. Right. And I'm like, I'm dying. I'm just dying. But we got to spend a lot of time outside with the statue, Mm -hmm. which was, you know, really great to see in person. And then even more time with the statue. (laughs) I actually like leaned on it to get get some shade from my father (laughs) (laughs) standing in the shade of the statue. Oh, man. And finally, uh, father came and it was so beautiful because he was so enraptured by so many different aspects of the art outside and also on the (laughs) walls inside and I was just my heart was just like glued on Paul like Mm -hmm. over there he's like father (laughs) keep moving (laughs) keep moving my spiritual pops is over there my dad is right there (laughs) just unlock the door Um, so we finally did make it inside and of course there's the classic um, images of all the popes Mm -hmm. um, which was neat to see but of course he stopped and explained all the things (laughs) in my heart (laughs) and we just what are we doing um and so finally, we had some time at the very end to go and visit the tomb of St. Paul, which is right in the, in the middle of the basilica there. And unfortunately, we only had about five or ten minutes left. <laughs> and no. I wanted to cry. And like, I just swallowed it. I'm like, Paul, here I am. Like, here I am, Dad. And just um, there was this real and, and as you were sharing about John Chrysostom's just desire or like Paul's heart, like Paul's mm-hmm. heart was there. Mm-hmm. And there was mm-hmm. a real deep sense of that. Like, I just wanted to lean, like, just stay there mm-hmm. and just receive his fatherly blessing. And especially in preparation for final vows and also just bring uh, so many intentions uh, yeah. to him there. Uh, but I looked up and everyone was gone. <laughs> <laughs> no, really. and, I, and I looked at the watch. Like, okay, this is like what time we were supposed to meet. So I'm not late. Mm-hmm. Yet. It's just everyone's gone. <laughs> but it's Italy time. But it's Italy time. So you you're kind of maybe late. Well, so I looked around and I can't I can't find my way out of the basilica because the way you go in is not the way you go out. So I had mm-hmm. walked all the way back to the entrance and I was like, oh, now nah, I'm late because that basilica is <laughs> big. And I'm like, I can't get out that way. So I start going around the perimeter, like the interior perimeter mm-hmm. of, of the church and finally found like. Um, signs for the gift shop. I'm like, surely this must be the exit. <laughs> That's always the way out. <laughs> <Right>? Yeah. <laughs> and so I found I found my way out. But in the meantime, um, the bus apparently pulled away <laughs> from the curb. Sister Bethany was like, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. We're missing someone. I know. I mean, we're missing. Paul is not here. <laughs> and so the formator, um, Sister Clarice, uh, said in Italian to Sister Bethany, just go back in, and if they stop you, just keep going. <laughs> if they stop you, like, go they will through not the stop exit you. and just yeah. keep going. Yeah. Um, so we ran into each other as I was finding my way out the gift shop. She's like, "We almost left you, dude." <laughs> I'm like, "I'm sorry. I just everyone was gone, and I was with him, and I don't know." Yeah. Aww. So. I think that's really beautiful. I know that it can be hard sometimes if you've never had the experience of having like a really special patron in Mm -hmm. your spiritual life to understand that relationship of real like daughterhood or sonship Mm -hmm. um, with a saint. But I think 
A really good analogy, um, if you've never had this experience and you're listening to this, is if you go back to the Old Testament, that relationship between Elijah and Elisha, Mm -hmm. I think is very telling and kind of explains what Sister Carly Paul is really getting at is that idea of, you know, Elijah really was like a father to Elisha, even though he didn't go through most of his ministry with him at all. Sure. And Elisha asked for what when Elijah was about to um, be brought into heaven. He asked for a double portion of his spirit. And that's really what we pray for. And that's what we've been gifted is a portion of, of Paul's spirit. So for him, he really, for us rather, he really is a spiritual dad and we have a really deep affection for him. So that is so cool that you were like physically yeah, yeah so close him. to it's Paul. So yeah. cool. near him in that mm-hmm. way. I remember in postulancy being really moved by um, in our next episode, you'll get to meet Sister Rebecca Marie, who mm-hmm. was Sister Carly Paula and me had her as a postulant formator yes, and Sister Ann had, had her as a novice formator. <laughs> God bless her. <laughs> and one of the things that she said um, just kind of like offhandedly when we were postulants was that she kind of imagined and it just like really stuck with me. She kind of imagined that like at the moment of our baptism, when we're receiving our vocation, because that is when the church teaches mm-hmm. that we receive our special vocation from God is at the moment of our baptism, that Paul was up in heaven kind of elbow nudging <laughs> Jesus and saying, I want that one. <laughs> and I just there was something about that that was like, I don't know, like really touched me. Mm-hmm. And it kind of like helped to endear him to me because I could kind of feel what she was talking about, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the joy of a father's heart to Mm -hmm. both know, like, I I want to guide and protect that one, and I want to bring that one to Christ Mm -hmm. in a particular way. Mm -hmm. Um, And in my own home parish, which is St. Paul the Apostle, that's where I was baptized. And my father's name is Paul. So Paul has been (laughs) stalking me my whole life. No, I really, I'm grateful for that because it's like the... My devotion to Paul is really, or devotion, my relationship with Paul is really more based in an affection of someone that has kind of always been in the background or then taken the foreground um, in my life as a patron and protector from when I was very, very young. And just being surrounded by, um, we have these beautiful stained glass windows in my parish um, of the life and ministry of Paul. And like, and I'm in, we're in Florida, so it's a sunshine state. And on Sunday morning, when the, sh- the sun shines through those windows, it's just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's Paul preaching, and then it's his martyrdom. Mm-hmm. But um, it's, yeah, I, I can't even put into words how, um, for me, it's not really a heady relationship. I know it's very easy to, and I need to study Paul more because there's so, so much there. Um, but it really is just more of an um, a fatherly, affectionate um, relationship with him. Mm-hmm. So I also had the gift of visiting the three fountains. Oh, okay. Are you familiar what are with three? that? I'm tell not. tell the story. Tell the tell why it's okay. Yeah. So it's three fountains because this is where Paul was beheaded. And when oh, Paul, yeah, yes. and so when Paul was beheaded, according to the story, his head bounced three times. And where his head bounced, these are where these fountains flowed up. And the fountains are still, like, giving, they're not, okay, I pictured it would be like, I don't know, like it, when you're a little kid and you have, like, whoosh, fountains outside at <laughs> a park, like that. I was like, that is pressurized. Pressurized <laughs> fountains. But it is just like a, a spring, a small spring. Mm-hmm. And it you can hear the water still kind of underneath 
um, there. But um, yeah, so you can go to church um, and pray. And then we had the gift of having mass there on the Feast of St. Joseph, which oh, that's how cool. perfect is that? It's like, um, and in Italy, the Feast of St. Joseph is also Father's Day. Oh, yeah. And that's the day that they celebrate Father's Day. So mm-hmm. we had um, mass there um, where Paul was martyred on that day. And when Father, who was a Society of St. Paul priest, gave his homily, he gave this homily with part of the legend that not only did what did Paul, um, so he was beheaded, so he was clinging to the marble um, pillar, which the pillar is still there. And when he was beheaded, according to this legend that he shared, that he continued to preach Christ. So as his head bounced, he also was saying, Yeshua, Yeshua, Yeshua. And being there at mass at that place, like that struck my heart so much, like that love, that profound love for Christ that Paul had that he continued to have his name on his lips even at the moment of his martyrdom. And his lips continued to proclaim Christ as his head was bouncing. <laughs> and these fountains started flowing up. I don't know. It's a little bit, I don't know, the legend is crazy, but I kind of love it. It's like extremely Italian. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But also yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> Appropriately yeah, I don't intense. Know, does that cover all the details that you know of? Th- that, yeah, that? It was more than I, that was more than I knew. So there you go. I feel like we could probably drag this episode to like an hour and a half and like not even bat an eye at it. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe let's not. Let's not and say we did. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, I just I had so many other like <laughs> reflections and stuff. That's okay. That's okay. we're all Paul okay. geeks. We love yep. Paul. Yep. It's true. And it's funny because like the, the passage we're talking about is John. But but for all for us Paulines, Paul. it really is kind yeah. of like yeah. the Gospel of John and the letters of Paul. Like mm-hmm. the, that's like that's really kind of like where we pull the core of our spirituality Put from. Put me on a desert island. Give me the letters of Paul. And they complement and... each other so perfectly well. Yeah. So the Gospel of John mm-hmm. and Last the letters of Paul just really kind of like, yeah, totally. I don't know. There's just something. I think it's it's that mysticism, that, the deep that. ability to express the intimacy of love that they mm-hmm. both have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mysticism is a good word. There's something almost like whole Mm -hmm. about the two of them together. So anyway, thanks for riding along with us, everybody, on this uh, Pauline roller coaster. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. We just kind of nerded out a lot. Yeah. Should we take a moment to give a takeaway? Yeah. Forgot about that. I'm still thinking about those pears. (laughs) (laughs) No, seriously. I want to see that. I want to taste that. Uh, We also have a pear tree here. Which yeah. I didn't even know. And Nobody knows for like because, seven years. Because it, <laughs> it hasn't give given pears. fruit. It needs but to be pruned. It did. Last year it gave one. And <laughs> apparently it was really good. <laughs> it's like that parable. No, let me put fertilizer on it one last year. No, and, and one parable. of our sisters did. And it, it actually bore like 20 pears, but no one saw them uh, <laughs> this year because the squirrels ate them. Anyway. Oh, okay. got it. Well, okay. Next year. <laughs> So is that don't your, cut it down. Is that your takeaway? Yeah, it's my takeaway. Yeah, don't, <laughs> don't, don't cut, cut down. down the pear tree. <laughs> <laughs> it's like pruning, but don't prune it yet. Prune, 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 prune it, but don't cut it down. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think my takeaway is just praying with that image of Paul's heart grafted onto Christ and what that means for our hearts and our call. Um, yeah, so I just feel prompted to pray a little bit more with that for my own heart. Yeah, I think um, 
as I was praying with this passage, like that one of the things that kept coming to me was this image from John of the Cross's poem, The Dark Knight, mm. of the head of the beloved resting upon the breast and just like how close the intimacy that we're called to with Jesus, that our hearts should be one, that we that we should abide in one another, that the vulnerability and the intimacy that's implied in all of that. Um, and I think sometimes I... I think most people either tend to fall into the camp of becoming too comfortable with with God's eminence, his closeness, and forgetting about his transcendence, mm-hmm. or they become really wrapped up in his transcendence and forget about his closeness. And I think I'm a little bit I'm a little bit of the second kind. And so just to like be attentive to his presence and and while still in awe of his power mm-hmm. and still in awe of, of his glory, um, re- remembering that he's close and that he wants to always be even closer. I think that's that's something that's really standing out for me. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Sister Carly Paula, for joining yeah, us. We grateful. will be praying for you as you approach your perpetual so profession much. and your final vows. If you are listening to this, please keep Sister Carly Paula in your prayers. And if you're listening to it after the date of her profession, please still pray for her. Because yeah, I know I'm praying for all of yeah. you all, too. Mm-hmm. And actually, if anybody's listening to this on the day it's released or in, in the intervening week, mm-hmm. we have an invitation for anybody who would like to. There's going to be an online um, virtual discernment retreat with the sisters. Yes. So we have some recorded talks that the sisters will be giving, um, some prayer guides. Uh, there will be an hour of adoration that will be live streamed. And we'll also be live streaming the mass the of, so of like the perpetual pressions. So um, if you would like to register for that, the link will be in the show notes. I think it's connect.pauline.org slash final dash vows or something like that. But I'll put the link in the, in the show notes. <laughs> It'll be easier <laughs> to just mm-hmm. click on it. But there will be a registration there. Um, and I think the live stream will be available whether you're re- registered or not. So yes. right. And because yeah. it's virtual, it is open to anyone who can understand English who is outside of the States as well. We've been getting a lot of questions about that. Yeah. yeah, or yeah. if you just want to know more about the vows and things like that, yeah. some sisters will be giving some great some great just insights into that in preparation for what's actually happening that day. Mm-hmm. Or if you're like two out of the three of us at this table who saw nuns and quickly ran away the other way. <laughs> <laughs> and so you just and want kind of like yeah. a low-risk, low-key yeah. low way of starting to get to know the sisters. <laughs> this would also be an awesome thing for that too. Mm-hmm. So as our closing prayer, because we've been talking and fangirling so much about our Father Paul, we're going to close with our um, Pauline chaplet to St. Paul the Apostle. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I bless you, O Jesus, for the great mercy granted to St. Paul in changing him from a bold persecutor to an ardent apostle of the Church. And you, O great saint, obtain for me a heart docile to grace, conversion from my principal defect, and total configuration with Jesus Christ. St. Paul the Apostle, pray for pray us. I bless you, O Jesus, for having elected the Apostle Paul as a model and preacher of holy virginity. And you, O St. Paul, my dear Father, guard my mind, my heart, and my senses, that I may know, love, and serve only Jesus, and employ all my energies for his glory. St. Paul the Apostle, pray, pray for, for us. I bless you, O Jesus, for having given through St. Paul examples and teachings of perfect obedience. And you, O great saint, obtain for me a humble docility to all my superiors, for I am sure that in obedience I shall be victorious over all my enemies. St. Paul the Apostle, pray Pray for for us. 
I bless you, O Jesus, for having taught me by the deeds and by the words of St. Paul, the true spirit of poverty. And you, O great saint, obtain for me the evangelical spirit of poverty, so that after having imitated you in life, I may be your companion in heavenly glory. St. Paul the Apostle, pray, pray for us. I bless you, O Jesus, for having given to St. Paul a heart so full of love for God and for the Church, and for having saved so many souls through his zeal. And you, my dear friend, obtain for me an ardent desire to carry out the apostolate of the media of social communication, of prayer, of example, of activity, and of word, so that I may merit the reward promised to good apostles. St. Paul the Apostle, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you in two weeks. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast is a fruit of the Daughters Project. This initiative of the Daughters of St. Paul to spread the gospel online is made possible by our generous Patreon supporters. Consider joining us in our mission by contributing to Patreon today. You can find us at thedaughtersproject.com and on social media at Daughter St. Paul. God bless you.